board, first cabinet meeting of 2018. Uh, item one, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. No declarations. Item two, minutes of the previous meeting, are they accurate record? Councillor Dean. Um, no, sorry, Chairman, I have a correction. Corrections are corrections. Okay. Um, TA 60, which were the minutes of the 18th of October meeting, the um, correction there says that the speaking committee had advised the cabinet that the council should seek to maximise the benefit to local residents as well as to the wider community by investing capital receipts in social housing. I did not make reference either at the Wilton meeting or at the last meeting to um, social housing. I said local communities and infrastructure investment, uh, enhancement, sorry. Thank you. A little bit of pedantry, but people may remember from the last meeting that our CA, uh, sorry, CA 63 uh, assets of community value that um, there's no such thing as looking at green primary school and looking at green primary school. Um, the pavilion on Rickman Green belongs to the Rickman Green Recreation Association and not the Rickman Green Club. And All Saints Church is at Rickman, not Rickman. Respond accordingly. Thank you. Um, anything else, Councillor Dean? No. Thank you. Um, anything under item six, Councillor Rodfern? Um, just a refugee slide. working group. Yep. Just a um, quick update. Um, as I mentioned at the last meeting, the refugees were due to arrive on Thursday, the 14th of December, which they duly did. Um, they signed their tenancy with us on the 15th of. December on the Friday and um, they are now getting um, regular visits from their support workers which will be sort of two or three times um, a week for the first six months and then we'll um, see how it goes after that but they will be supported throughout the first year. I don't think there's anything else unless, no, that's it, thank you. Oh, that's, uh, that's very good news, thank you. Okay, item seven uh, which is business rates revaluation relief um, from councillors Howell and Riles. 
Shall I go speak? first yep. okay. and invite Councillor Riles to add any comments if he wants to? Um, the background to this, you'll recall, was that there was a revaluation of rateable values for businesses undertaken, and about 50% of the businesses across Uttlesford are in fact taken out of the business rates regime entirely. And the government put in place some trans transitional funding to ensure that no business with a rateable value or rates for more than, sorry, less than £200,000 was going to have an increase of more than 12.5%. Um, the transitional funding which was put in place was on, a, um, uh, on the basis that we should publicise its availability and ask those relevant businesses who were captured by this uh, to, make the app to apply for the reliefs. Um, and it was also provided by governments on a use-it-or-lose-it lose, or basis. Um, and you'll see from this paper that, in fact, the, the take-up has been less than you might have hoped, or we might have hoped, at below 30%. And this has actually been quite common across um, many councils. Um, we are a business-friendly council. We try to do the right thing, and we are on the side of business. And so when government indicated, and I'll refer you to item 9, that they would like councils to look at ways to ensure that this money is used in the way that it's expected and pr proposed that it should be used, um, we've looked at it and we've decided that we should recommend to full council uh, the following amendments to the business rates relief schemes. And the, the document, um, Appendix 1, um, sets out the policies. It currently stands in the proposed amendments. And the amendments are that the revaluation relief scheme is awarded automatically to qualifying businesses. Um, we withdraw the application process. And secondly, that the pub relief is awarded after all other reliefs have been applied. And the detail of why that is relevant and why a small number of pubs have been disadvantaged by the scheme as it's currently um, operating uh, is set out in the paper. So that is the recommendation. This will come to full council uh, with your approval. I believe it's the right thing for us to do as a, friend, a business friendly council. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for. Well, I have Councillor Riles, to be fair. Do you wish to speak, Councillor Riles? I just want to add my um, uh, agreement to what um, Simon has put forward here. I particularly uh, like to see that pubs are being looked after, and we are a rural um, uh, place, and they tend to be in one of the sort of focal parts of small villages and hamlets. So anything we can do to. Um, give them some support, I would commend. Thank you. Thank you. Any comments? Councillor Redfern. Um, I think I, I absolutely agree with this, that we should automatically um, do this for qualifying businesses, but I would also like to suggest that we actually inform them that, that's what, that, that that is what we are doing, that Uttlesford District Council has made the decision to do this automatically so that they know that you know, that they know how it's happened, not that it's, you know, because I think often we get a bit of bad press for not doing enough, and if it just arrives in their letterbox as an alteration, they will have no idea how it happened, and will never make any inquiry about it, I believe. Thank you. Could I ask either Councillors Howard or Riles to make that happen? Absolutely, and it's a very good suggestion. I will ask Mr. Webb to ensure that that is done so businesses are aware that we are, in fact, applying this policy, not just at the request of government, but looking at the wording of what they've proposed. I think we've gone going beyond what was initially proposed by government. Once, of course, it's been approved by council. Okay. No, you've read out the recommendation, which is paragraph 5. Those in favour? Unanimous, thank you very much indeed. Uh, item 8, um, which is the Moore's Little Dunmo Redevelopment. Councillor Redfern. Um, thank you. This is another site that we own ourselves that we're looking at um, redevelopment of. Um, this is a site of 12 bungalows that we actually own and they're various gardens and um, parking areas. Um, all the bungalows are showing signs of subsidence and so the decision has been made that what we should do is um, demolish all of these um, bungalows and replace them. Um, it's also worth noting that there's Japanese knotweed present on part of the site and the removal of which will have to be done by a specialist contractor and that did start in November. Um, the tenants of these bungalows have all been helped into alternative council accommodation, so the site is completely vacant now. 
and the proposal is to demolish um, the existing bungalows and to replace them with 16 dwellings um, and they're a mix. They consist of um, five two-bedroom chalets, three two-bedroom houses and four one-bedroom apartments along with two two-bedroom apartments. Um, at the moment our costs are just estimated because we haven't actually got, um, we're not at the stage of going out to full tender but the pre preliminary construction estimate is um, £2,485,000 which is approximately 155300 per dwelling and this does compare pretty well with um, other council properties that we've done within the district. Um, there is also a 300000 allowance in this estimate to allow for the abnormal site issues um, which is something that we seem to be dogged with whenever we do start something so at least we've got a bit of contingency in there um, and um, so the financial provision for this development is included in the housing revenue account and the development will also enable us to use part of the um, right to buy capital receipts which as you all know we um, when we uh, someone takes the option to exercise their right to buy we can only retain part of that receipt if we then use it to um, um, build a new property we can't use it to alter or improve any of our others so the reason we can use it on this site is because we're doing 16 properties not 12 um, and it's, it's I feel it's quite important for us to do as much as we can to retain our own right to buy receipts um, prior to any planning application being submitted the council will consult with um, both the parish council and the wider community as we always do the parish council and the district councillor are aware of the proposals on the site um, and the owner of the adjacent listed um, property is also aware so I'm therefore asking that cabinet approve the redevelopment of this site in line with the detail contained in this report thank you very much do I have a seconder councillor Raz uh, actually I wanted to ask a question really. I'm just running through this um, Sorry. Uh, uh, Councillor Barker's got her arm up to speak already. Can I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger. Councillor Barker, then Councillor Riles, and then Councillor Dean. Two points, if I could, Chairman. If you were to read the summary, bullet point two implies that we are replacing 12 bungalows with 12 bungalows. It's not what we're doing. So I would like the recommendation actually just to be amended to say that we are replacing 12 bungalows with 16 dwellings. Okay. Because it, it, if you read that top point, yes, it sounds like 12 bungalows are going and 12 bungalows are coming yep. up. The other thing, Chairman, I'd just like to add is I have a colleague whose grandmother lived in one of these bungalows, and I would like to congratulate the Council on how sensitively we dealt with her relocation to other properties in Uttlesford. I'm assured by her grandson that she is absolutely loving wherever we've moved her to. She was very dubious about being moved out of a house she'd been in for a long time but he, he spoke glowingly of how Uttlesford actually managed to relocate her as she's had a new lease of life in somewhere more appropriate for her so I will congratulate the housing department on that but if we could just make sure that in the recommendation is clear that we are reproviding 16 dwellings instead of 12 bungalows yep. thank you thank you and that's a nice uh, message to hear Councillor Ross I commend this um, redevelopment, it's really sensible. Um, reading through the notes, I wasn't sure, I know you've got air source heat pumps in there. Have you got yeah. um, photovoltaics? Uh, because from one to eight, they're all south facing. Probably, probably not. I think Just a thought. Well, we, we will, I mean, obviously, this is quite preliminary. Um, okay. I guess we will look at all of these, but we have done some. Um, they're sort of fraught with issues really but I'm sure it's something we will look at we always look at how to make it the most economical for our tenants going forward as well because that is the beauty of new properties that, that, that actually their ongoing costs are reduced but um, unless um, Roger knows any different as far as I know there's no plan to do that other than the um, heat source recovery I don't know, I don't know. I... did you want Oh, sorry, I thought you might be responding to that point. No, yes, Councillor Dean. Yes, thanks, Chairman. I know this isn't a, a new settlement by any means, but uh, the thing that goes through my head now is whether we should at least be seeing what uh, garden village principles might be relevant to a relatively small uh, development like this um, so that what we do as a council from now on <coughs> 
as far as possible sets a standard which we can then insist potential developers elsewhere should follow. I, I don't want to go into detail and I haven't thought it through. It's just, it's just a, a kind of thought to bear in mind um, on, uh, as, as things move forward and, and I guess particularly when it gets to the planning uh, process. The, um, the other, I, had a, I have a question. I was looking at one of the, um, the plans. There was a plan or there was a picture um, I'm not sure which page it's on. Uh, let's have a look. It's, well, I've got I've got two lots. I the one which is it, it, it's on. It's a photograph on. Is it page S2 or it's page 36 or 7? It's page 37, I think, um, where it shows the rear of properties, at least I think that's it's the rear of properties and gardens, but at the, at the bottom or beyond the gardens and over a fence there's a parking area. I, my, I raise a question about whether these are well located such that they will be used by the people who live here uh, and, and just urge that we don't repeat the mistakes that happen certainly on some private developments where nobody uses the proper places because they are awkwardly placed compared with the access and egress from their their houses. Um, okay, I'm sure um, uh, the team will take that into account. Just uh, on your garden community principle point, because there there are two um, aspects to that. Uh, obviously, garden community principles is about long-term stewardship in what is essentially a privately developed um, uh, private development for for the public this, th these are council houses so they're owned in the public so obviously the long-term stewardship aspect of it is slightly different I think what you're referring to uh, is the quality of design type of the principles which is a which really follows on from councillor Riles and maybe councillor um, Ranger's going to make the same point, and, and I'll stick in my four pennyth here, that I, I, I do think, without escalating the cost unreasonably, that we should be looking as far as we can to um, the latest technology, the latest excellence in terms of design. Um, you did answer that, I think, fairly positively, that you're, you're trying to drive down running costs as far as possible. But... Um, you know, tech, tech technology develops uh, all the time here, uh, as do design principles, and um, we, we should be employing them. And I think that's you know, the excellent well, design. Well, just to confirm, of, I was thinking of design. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, and, yeah. And, and 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 may not be appropriate here, where possible, to include uh, sustainability and um, access to public transport, etc. So, yeah, okay. Um, I'll give you a chance to come back. Um, Councillor Redfern, but we'll just take uh, uh, Councillor Ranger's point first. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> yeah, I'd like to cover a couple of things that have come up since uh, the request. Um, taking Councillor Dean's uh, garden communities aspects, yes, uh, we have to be careful where we go on that because this is an existing site. So um, if you're not careful, you start to look at other, you look at other cases that might come along and... and you uh, get, get the, uh, the wrong end of the stick. But, I mean, there is plenty of green space there, for one, and, and that's one of the considerations that we were building. So I think that sits quite comfortably within uh, those parameters where we can. Uh, the parking at the rear, I think Councillor Redfern will correct me if I'm wrong, but that's to make up for the community area of parking that's there at the moment. Um, and it's very all very localised. This is quite a... Uh, a, a sparsely populated little area of Little Dumbo, so um, that's not intended. Every house or the houses have all got on-site um, on-plot parking and you've got um, some apartments there that will need a, a parking area for themselves. But the one thing I wanted to really cover was um, just picking up on something that Councillor Redfern said. Um, it's just a bit of a tidying up, really, of um, terminology. The... Um, the costs reported are an estimate, they're not a quotation. Um, the £300 allowance um, is not for risks that will be, uh, I would imagine, attributed to the contractor when the, uh, the um, inquiry goes out because it will no doubt be done on the design and build the contractor's risks taken into account for the things that we've experienced elsewhere. So um, that £300 allowance 
um, includes the air sorties, bumps, and uh, elevational treatments. That's it, Chairman. Really, thank you. Thank you, Councillor Redfern. Okay. Um, taking Councillor Dean's points on garden principles, which I actually was going to say that um, yes, we have much of this has been answered by other members, but for, for my ten penneth on this, obviously, other, one of the other things on that is um, garden principles should have. 40% affordable, and this is 100% affordable. So it's got all, it's got everything going in that way. The parking problems, I think, um, Councillor Ranger has answered. They've, I think, we've learnt a lot with lots of different developments on how to deal with parking. It's not always easy, but um, I think this, you know, if there, if there becomes something that we could do better on this, this is this is only the initial design, we'll, we'll change it, but to me it seems to have everything um, covered. And um, Councillor Rolfe's comment <coughs> on um, excellence in design, um, kind of, um, I think you can rest assured that with the, if you've, you've all been to most of the sites that we've already done, and it is really important to us that we do the best that we can to make it the nicest possible place for our tenants to live in. And we do try and put in uh, to build them to the highest specification, but sometimes you have to make a decision between the cost of building it and the uh, and sure. those things. And yeah, sometimes we think it's more important <coughs> to deliver one or two extra houses than it is to maybe give some improvement to some sort of energy saving or whatever it be. So there, there is always a decision to be made there. Um, but I, th I think we do have a good record on, on delivering really excellent brand new council properties. So I think you can all rest assured on that. Um, there was one other thing, but I can't remember what it was. If I remember, I will come back to you. Sorry. Mr. Harborough. Yes, thank you, Leader. I just wanted to uh, uh, reflect your members' comments about the need to refine the design. Um, Councillor Redfern, in her introduction, did make the point this is an opportunity for us to use some right to buy receipts. That's time limited. We need to uh, still move, move forward and implement this scheme in a timely way. So I wouldn't want that refinement of the design to mean that we were no longer able to use the right to buy receipts because we'd lost them. No, absolutely. That, that would be uh, appalling. Um, but I think at some point, Cabinet would be interested to understand uh, what uh, is different about the current design or the current bill that we're doing in terms of en energy efficiency uh, cost to run these properties compared to what we were building 20, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, I'm assuming that we're going in the right direction, so um, it's not for now, but, but uh, you know, I think we need to be able to illustrate that we're taking account. We're not uh, talking about a completely passive house here, but we're presumably we're on a journey as technology allows to get as close to that as possible. Okay, good. I think we've had a good discussion. Um, the recommendation is that Cabinet approves the redevelopment of the site in line with the detail contained in this report, and uh, it's not in the recommendation, but to, to secure the, um, uh, the, rece the, the, the receipts from right to buy. Um, uh, those in favour? Unanimous, thank you very much indeed. Item eight, uh, nine, uh, which is the statement of community involvement, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this was discussed at the Planning Policy Working Group uh, four weeks ago now in December, and at that time the Planning Policy Working Group endorsed that this be forwarded to Cabinet for adoption subject to some minor alterations that were laid out in that report, including things like adding a glossary and trying to ensure that consultation was held outside school holidays. So the Planning Policy Working Group, as I say, endorsed those amendments and the recommendation that we have this evening is that the amended statement of community involvement be adopted. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for that? <laughs> Councillor Ranger, thank you. A number of us were involved in quite a lengthy discussion previously at PPWG and uh, Councillor Barker has summarised uh, very clearly uh, the points made and the responses in this paper. Are there any other comments that people wish to make, Councillor Dean? Thank you, Chairman. I picked up on 
a representation uh, on reading, looking through this for the second time, by um, Dr. Graham Mott. Um, and he raises a point, I think it's on page 52, um, where oh, he's... Um, 52. 52. Where he's um, essentially speaking on behalf of Elsnam. And um, he's saying that there is no, it's about neighbourhood planning, he's saying there is no neighbourhood planning in Elsnam. Um, his opinion is there's no planning and, and to some extent, you know, there is a, there is a fact that during the period of no um, five-year land supply, you, one could argue that the wolves were let loose on Elsnam and we've got sporadic development all over the place which has accumulated to quite um, an extent and yet without um, a master plan for the village looking at uh, amenity needs and so on. Um, so I think going forward we've, we've got to, as a council, you know, be recognising that there are some villages in particular who for whatever reason don't have the capacity to do their own neighbourhood plan in, and I know there is support for them, there's no question about that, but, but it might not happen for whatever reason, and, and we mustn't, we mustn't um, allow a situation where the council seems to take, might be accused of taking a laissez-faire attitude and you get another load of sporadic stuff wherever it might be Elsnam again, and we know there's, a, there's an attempt at that at the moment on a familiar site. Um, so I, and I don't know how that needs to be addressed. I think it needs to be taken away. That <coughs> to make sure that um, whether I'm not saying it mean, needs the, um, the uh, statement of community involvement to be adapted, but it, it, I think the processes that we follow need to be thought through, such that we don't leave places to sink or swim um, when they aren't over, when they don't know how to swim. Yes, I think you make a good point. Councillor Barker. Um, yes, thank you for that point. As you will be aware, there, we've only made one neighbourhood plan and there are others in process. But I'm happy to take away talk to the officers about where we are with the progress of those neighbourhood plans, whether there is anywhere else within the district that they think would be appropriate and that we might actually make a direct approach to those towns or villages to ask them you know, if they're looking to go down this line, whatever. Elsna may not be the only one um, there may be others, but it's probably more suitable for the slightly larger settlements than a very small settlement. But nevertheless, point is well made, and I'll take it away, have a discussion with officers, and if there are towns or villages where we think that progress isn't being made or progress could be helped along, then we will come back and have that discussion with those parish councils and with their representatives here. Yeah, I welcome that response. Thank you. Councillor Riffin, and then Councillor Ranger. Oh, sorry. My comments also on uh, neighbourhood plans and just the point that Historic England made about wanting to be notified of the neighbourhood planning areas. And I know that that um, the planning areas we have to approve the area that they're talking about. But I just wondered if it would be possible just to inform them that that's the application that we've received of that particular area, rather than just waiting it because obviously we approve it, but. Um, they wouldn't get to see it until the whole neighbourhood plan is done, I don't think. So that was just a thing that I'd noticed, because I think that would be helpful. Just before we go to Councillor Ranger, do you want to comment on that, Mr Harborough? I think it'd be quite simple to do. Yeah, okay, fine. Thank you. Good point. We'll do that as well. Councillor Ranger? Thank you, Chairman. Um, just picking up on Councillor Dean's point and, and Councillor Barker's response, <coughs> when we go to a village like... Uh, Elsnam and talk about neighbourhood planning with them and it is, it is an expensive exercise. We ought to be talking to the adjoining villages as well who can't afford to go for um, uh, exp expensive consultation and, and preparation of a plan. Um, and it's those villages that lie outside of the major towns that are not being properly, I don't think in my, from my point of view, properly considered when those larger towns make their neighbourhood plans up because they have done is set their plan area as their parish boundary. And I think that's slightly um, to the disbenefit of the neighbouring villages. 
Okay, I think another very good point. Okay, um, I don't see any more hands. We've got a proposer and a seconder, uh, and the recommendation is that the amended statement of community involvement be adopted. Those in favour? Thank you, and, and a number of comments made which will be followed through. Thank you for that. Um, I think it's still Councillor Barker. Uh, Asset of Community Value nomination for Andrews Field Airfield. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, unfortunately, the papers have not been able to be made ready for this particular item, not quite there. So the recommendation that we have this evening is that this is delegated to a subcommittee uh, for a meeting to be held on the 24th of January to determine this uh, nomination. But I would like, Chairman, to point out that we are in the process of receiving a large number of nominations and renominations that are about to come up. Um, it won't be ready for the 24th of January, but because this Cabinet will have a lot of business on the 15th of February, I would like to add a second recommendation that the determination of all other adult assets of community value nominations that would otherwise be referred to Cabinet on the 15th of February are also referred to the subcommittee. Do we find favour of that? Bearing in mind this uh, subcommittee meets in public, um, it's a fully minuted meeting, it's, it, it's exactly the same. Uh, it's not recorded to be fair. Uh, is it? Was it recorded? No, uh, but otherwise, otherwise it's very much public. It, it has already met once we considered the Hot Poles pub Indeed. in Great Hanbury and, and Chalky Meadow in Thaxted. We did have seven or eight members of the public there, so um, people are very aware that the committee is going on. It's a on. transparent public meeting. Uh, comments? John? Yes, uh, who, <clears throat> who, is the, who is the subcommittee? This is a, what's the status of the committee? Is it so, form a formal committee, committee yeah, of the council? Subcommittee of cabinet. I'll need to get this correctly uh, with Mr Pugh, but it's a subcommittee of cabinet. Strictly, it's a cabinet committee. At the moment, it's been operating on an ad hoc basis. I think there's a question of whether we look to make it a more formal arrangement for the future. Uh, the issue really is uh, partly about timing when applications submitted don't coincide very well with the cabinet timetable and particularly with the February meeting where you're going to have an awful lot on the agenda and really it's not going to be practical for you to consider a long, long list of uh, assets of community value nominations at that meeting. Uh, Chairman, it would certainly be helpful from our point of view to have it as a standing committee if that was uh, considered appropriate. Does that change the, anything about the committee if it's a standing committee? Well, it, it merely um, formalises the arrangement, identifies the membership on a permanent basis. We can write it into the uh, constitution, put it on the web and, you know, treat it formally. Okay. Mr. Webb? Just also to clarify, it was recorded. It was broadcast. Okay. Yeah. Thank okay. you very much. Yeah. I think the last meeting was recorded, Chairman, because we were expecting a large number of members of the public there. It wouldn't normally be, but uh, arranged for a special arrangement <coughs> for that reason. If you remember, we have discussed this matter before, and one of the alternatives is to delegate to officers, and we felt that we wanted to keep it in the um, public arena in terms of to have a discussion. Um, and uh, as Councillor Barker points out, um, it will still come to uh, Cabinet um, going forward. It's, it's a, it's a one-off for a, what is going to be a long agenda in February and the majority of I think those items coming forward are revalidations aren't they yeah. uh, so they've been through the process already but it is a it is a transparent public democratic process councillor dean thank you chairman yeah i'm reassured about the process and the openness i i, I must admit i wasn't aware of its existence as a public body um, because it is important that people can come along and have their say and and see democracy at work but I'm just slightly nervous about this particular one because, of course, this is somewhat of a strategic location. Yeah. In the fact that it's slap bang, well, on towards the edge of a potential new settlement, and therefore must have some implications on that. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the implications would be. But I'd, wait, wait. I'd, I'd hate to be decisions to be made that have implications one way or the other without some understanding of what they are going to be. I might want to come along and speak myself, I don't know. Not I, I, a, I think uh, on this, I mean, when the subcommittee met last time, we discussed two very different things. A pub that is currently closed, but has been used by the public in the past and might be in the future, which we agreed as an asset of community value, 
and a piece of land in Thaxted, which actually we didn't agree. So, um, you know, they were, they were very sensible discussions and, and, and decisions. And the, the, the piece of land in Thaxted, people who came along, we had a long discussion with them about possibilities, how could, they could secure the future of this piece of land as open space. And um, I, I, there, is, there was certainly a lot of debate. Now, I'm sure there will be a lot of debate around the Andrews Field issue, you know, whether it's the buildings that are an asset, whether it's the piece of land itself that's an asset. I haven't seen the paperwork as yet, no. but when the officers put that together, you know, we will put our heads together and come up. And I think what it might be a good idea, particularly if we're going to have a whole long list, that the outcome of that subcommittee is reported back to Cabinet as a, an item on the agenda. Well, and, and I think also that any decisions made there should be subject to call-in. I, mean, I don't ever re recollect being notified of decisions made by this Chairman, subcommittee those, in the those past. Those decisions are subject to call-in and they are, are subject they? to a decision notice which is circulated. Really? I have no recollection. Okay. Um, I, I, I should point out that, as with much of planning, um, there are very strict criteria about whether something can be a, an asset of community value. So we, we are working in some fairly tightly defined. But you're right, this is a sensitive one. It was originally in, uh, in, in, in a, an area that was to be developed. Uh, that it might not be going forward, dependent on which uh, plan is chosen. Andrews Field crosses, uh, uh, it goes from Uttlesford through into Braintree, so uh, that has a further implication to the whole discussion. So you're right, it's, 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 uh, it would be given some very careful consideration within the context of what the criteria are. And, yeah. Okay, um, so the recommendation is that Cabinet delegates a decision to the Assets of Community Value Subcommittee. Those in favour? No, and the second recommendation, Chairman. And the second recommendation. That the determination of all other Assets of Community Value nominations that would otherwise be referred to Cabinet on the 15th of the 2nd are also delegated to a subcommittee. Those in favour? Carried unanimously, thank you. Um, still Councillor Barker. Uh, the Saffron Walden Conservation Area Appraisal 2017-18. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, we have Mrs Hart here today who, with her officers, I'm sure, has worked very hard on this. I always love these documents and it's lovely to read about them. Even if I don't know Saffron Walden all that well, these uh, appraisals bring it very much to life. Um, Saffron Walden Conservation Area Appraisal was first done in 2012 and we have recently reassessed this to keep the document up to date and a living document. Um, the proposal set out some minor revisions, including set out in paragraphs 9 to 12, an alteration to some boundaries in zone 4, one of the new zones, where the conservation area has been extended to include 18 to 26 Radwinter Road and the Radwinter Road Cemetery, and to remove the Saffron Lodge residential complex. And in zone 6, is proposed to include most of the grounds and the buildings of the Friends Schools. The papers or the details are set out in the papers and the proposed new zones are set out on page 21 onwards of the appraisal with, together with the proposed management proposals. It's a lovely document. I think it's quite right to include the Friends School, quite right to include the cemetery. Yeah. Um, I gather the inclusion of the Friends School follows the hedge lines and makes a, mm. a logical square. I think there's a tiny bit that's left out, but it's, it's logical on the ground and logical to anybody looking at it who knows the area well. Um, it, it, it does bring other areas into the town which are now subject to sort of planning conditions and restrictions. It doesn't stop planning, it doesn't stop things happening at the Friends School, but it, it, it seeks to preserve what is best that is there. So with those recommendations, Chairman, I would propose that the, uh, um, the document is adopted. Okay, well, that members approve the revised Saffron Ward and Conservation Area Appraisal document in conjunction with the proposed boundary changes. Can I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern, and um, as you indicated, uh, Councillor Barker, obviously there's been a lot of consultation on this, and uh, as a result of that, those, those changes that you indicated. So I think this has been a good process. Councillor Lodge. I think you probably have expected me to say something at this Absolutely. point. Um, I should actually make a, a declaration up front. If you turn to page 184, it mentions spalled brickwork, and uh, we're going to seek uh, the owner's cooperation on that. Um, that one is in fact me, so I should um, <laughs> declare that, and it feels incredibly expensive. But, uh, <coughs> um, should, I, should, I, should I just go through a series of points and then yep. get yep. a response on those? Sorry, I'll try and get my system to get them in order. Um, 
First, a strange one, section uh, 1.26 on, on page 180, uh, 108 of that, is, is gobbledygook. Uh, it is at least on the, uh, on the screen as presented. I don't know whether if you look in the, uh, in the written thing. That, uh, Sorry, could you just say which paragraph again? Oh, it's no, it is a 1. bit, it's a bit Yes, it's, it's gone into Greek, I'm afraid. So I don't know, what, don't know what's happened there. We will check that for you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You check that. We'll send you the correct wording. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't really work out what it, what it was meant to say. Um, we were just checking you'd read it all. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the strange things of uh, page 110. Then um, it looks a great two star listed buildings. I find one thing strange. Common Hill number three. Uh, is listed there. This is in fact a joint to Common Hill number two and I would have thought that the number three on its own doesn't seem to represent a special interest relevant to the big, I don't know if you know that, that particular building. It seems strange. Yeah, okay, fine. I think probably just one or two other points which I'd leave maybe to deal with directly because they are a bit, they're a little bit on the detail side. But overall, you're content oh, with um, I would say overall, I think it's an, ex an excellent document, a really good piece of work. It's thorough. Um, I, was, I was very, very impressed with it, yes. Overall. Okay, well, thanks. Thank um, and, uh, and, and thank you, Angara. That's yeah, uh, a, a great piece of work. Uh, uh, Councillor Redfern. Thank you. I just wanted to pass comment on page 143. Um, there's only one paragraph on there, but it's about the commercial shop signage throughout Saffron Walden, and this is something that's been mentioned to me on um, over the years on uh, numerous times about um, how much nicer it would be if we were a bit stricter on the style of signage within the um, conservation area of the town, and when you look at this document, it does really highlight, it does really highlight that, and it does say here... Um, that it's something perhaps we should we should consider, and I'm not saying it's any anything to do with this what we're looking at on the table here today. But I really do think it is something we should think about. I'm not saying right now, but going forward, because when you look at this, it, some of them are really horrible, and particularly the ones on the high street. That there's a little row of shops on the high street that have just all been let, and they've all put up really nasty. Um, signs and I would I'd be interested to know whether they actually applied for permission because you do need to have permission to do that and I can't believe they did because I can't believe we would have allowed what is there but I won't go on about it you can get what I'm saying I'll, I'll take that up with the officers and come back to you Councillor Lodge, Councillor Lodge. Just, to come, just to come back on that on the page 143 it always sticks uh, sticks with me as being a, a, an awful example, the, uh, the ABC and uh, shops near there. Particularly, particularly though, that, that, that there appears to be an opportunity for planting there. That, that there are flower beds which are being concreted in and they, they, they really do look uh, atrocious. It would be great if we could be proactive. I could sort of refer people to, to Bridge Street in, in Cambridge, if people can imagine that, where they have completely standardised uh, lettering on the shops there, which, which really does look delightful in that setting. So I think the message from Cabinet and uh, the, the other party leaders is that uh, we can um, possibly tighten our control around what is permitted, and if it obviously hasn't been applied for, then due action should be taken. Uh, so I think um, planning officers just, should just take that away. I know there was a um, quite a lot of comment around the new uh, lit Costa sign on the market square so uh, it all forms part of the, um, the same discussion I think so that will be noted and acted upon any other comments <coughs> in which case uh, those in favour of the recommendation as read out carried unanimously thank you very much indeed that brings us on to item 12 which is the article 4 direction for local heritage list Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, this uh, makes a welcome return back to Cabinet after the confusion of last time round. 
having had a discussion with Mrs Hart, I think we now know where we're going. At the moment, the District Council has four conservation areas. Um, conservation area affords some protection, and of course within those conservation areas there are listed buildings. Within those conservation areas there are also named properties, which are subject to Article 4 directions. The direction of travel that we are looking at is to create a heritage list of properties throughout Uttlesford, whether or not within the conservation areas, or whether or not within the conservation areas that currently have an Article 4 direction. We have 36 conservation areas. We only have four Article 4 direction areas. What we are looking to do here is to take the heritage asset list that is being worked up and to apply across the whole of the district a blanket Article 4 direction that will sweep up all those heritage assets, not necessarily water pumps and memorials, but the buildings and the walls and the structures that are deemed to be worthy of protection, but which do not have listed status in themselves. So this could be Councillor Howell's Snowdrop Cottage, or it could be my property if it wasn't listed. It would certainly be Councillor Redfern's property, although it's in a conservation area, it would be listed, named as something that had an Article 4 direction on it. Now, since this paper has been written, issues have been raised about various places within conservation areas that do not have an Article 4 direction that people feel might fall outside the scope of this. But if it's not worth listing as a heritage asset, then it's probably not worthy of an Article 4 direction. So that's where we're at. But this is a moving feast. We are <coughs> developing this heritage list, and the direction here that we're asking to approve in principle is that as we develop that heritage list, alongside that, we deliver an Article 4 district-wide direction that gives certain, puts certain restrictions on those properties should they wish to change perhaps windows, porches, roofs. They would then be required to apply for planning permission because they are subject to Article 4 direction, but there would be no fee for that planning application. So yes, it does put an extra onus on the owner, um, but it is there, the idea is there to protect those buildings, walls, boundaries inside our conservation areas and outside our conservation areas that we think add so much to this district to keep the special places special. So that's where we're, what we're asking for. In principle, we agreed to move forward with the principle of an Article 4 district-wide policy. Is that right, Mrs Hart? Excellent. Are you seconding? Can I have a seconder? Councillor Howell. Uh, you can, yeah. Councillor Redfern. Um, I just feel that I haven't declared the fact that I live in a property that is already got an Article 4 on that I believe we're going to take the Article 4 off and then redo the Article 4. So Adrian and I have had a little chat. We think I should declare it, so I'm declaring it. Do I, do I need to do the same then? So I need to declare that I live in a listed building as well. All right. Same here. I'm here. Okay, we proceed. Uh, so, you, yes, so Councillor Dean. I, I was confused at the previous meeting and I remain confused <coughs> having um, read this latest document. I, I still um, can't follow the logic. Um, and, and the main thing that I mean, I, I will admit, I, I've learned something. One was that I thought that all properties within the conservation area were subject to conservation area um, rules. So, so that's, that's one thing uh, that, that I have learned since the last meeting. Uh, and in a way, that makes my point even more significant because I go back to, bear with me, I'm, going to, I'm just going to turn it up. I've got it here. I'm going back to our draft local plan our Regulation 18 local plan, and on page 124, I think it is, we've got policy EN3, protecting the significance of conservation areas. And it says, development outside the conservation area, which might otherwise affect its settings, setting, 
will only be permitted where it is not detrimental to the character, appearance or significance of the conservation area and does not adversely affect listed buildings. I heard Councillor Barker say that if there's a property within a conservation area that's not uh, covered by an Article 4 order, then they can do what the heck they like, um, in effect. <laughs> um, and yet, if they can do what the heck they like in terms of permitted development, then they could undermine the character of the conservation area as, as set out in our draft, as yet draft policy. Um, so I think there's a, there's a whole issue here about is it what I suppose one way of putting it is what is the point of a conservation area if it doesn't cover everything within it and it was an air you know an area is an area so if you've got a row of houses that uh, that are within a, a conservation area within a red line on a map and you happen to have a property inside it that or just on the edge of it that's not particularly significant in itself, then we, it, it undermines the whole principle of an area. Um, and, and then to come up with a new system where all we get, we're going to say, all we're going to have, well, no, we're going to have conservation areas, not the whole area, and then we're going to have a higgledy-piggledy list of ad hoc places all over the place which will individually be protected. Um, and are we cons d does policy, our draft policy EN3 about not damaging the house next door by what you do at a house that's not protected by an Article 4 directive mean that they can do anything next door even if it undermines the quality of the property next door so I just, it, it just doesn't hang it doesn't to me in my mind hang together coherently uh, still. <laughs> okay, so I think Mr. Harborough is going to throw some light on the subject. Right, so I will attempt to clarify. <clears throat> Where a planning application is required to carry out development and it's in a conservation area or adjacent to a conservation area, there are policies, uh, well, certainly in the current adopted plan, there's a policy that requires that development within a conservation area to protect the special characteristics of the conservation area. In the emerging local plan, it's intended to propose a policy which looks at the impact of development adjoining a conservation area on the character of the conservation area. Um, however, uh, certain minor developments do not require a planning application. Um, and uh, what an Article 4 direction does is uh, on designated properties or a designated area require a planning application to be made so there is an opportunity to consider whether development protects or otherwise the character of the conservation area. Um, now as it happens that most of the four conservation areas which currently have an Article 4 direction are really quite tightly defined and most of the buildings within those four conservation areas are either listed buildings or their properties which are subject to a current Article 4 direction. So there's not a great deal of scope uh, in terms of the numbers of buildings which are uh, for which permitted development rights apply um, for the limited scope to to adversely affect the character of the conservation area simply because of the numbers of buildings potentially involved. Um, some of the other conservation areas are less tightly defined and there may be quite a number of buildings of quite ordinary character. Now if you were to uh, withdraw permitted de development rights across the entirety of those conservation areas you would be imposing obligations on property owners if they wanted to carry out fairly minor developments, uh, the burden of having to apply for planning permission. So it's a question of a balance. Is that additional restriction justified in terms of the potential impact on the character of the conservation area? 
Does that help? Uh, Mrs. Hart, you... Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, come on. You just need to speak to a microphone, so... It doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't? Right. Okay, um, right. The purpose of the Local Heritage List Article 4 is to capture the majority of buildings um, that have already been identified as having local significance, either architecturally or historically, um, within the conservation areas, but also outside of them. And by having the Article 4, it means that we can not only provide wider protection to the buildings that already have an Article 4 within those four conservation areas, but also across all of the conservation areas within the district in one process, as well as buildings outside of the conservation area that really should benefit from some measure of protection that currently have very little, even less than the ones in the conservation areas. This is a starting point. And it doesn't preclude us from looking at blanket conservation area um, Article 4 directions in the future. In fact, that is something that we have been discussing if it was felt and there was an appetite to extend the, the level of control within the conservation areas. So this process doesn't preclude us going down that route, but it offers us a point at the moment where, as we've identified these buildings within and outside of the conservation areas, we're able to offer an additional level of control, not just to the existing four conservation areas, but also to all of them across the district, which substantially increases the level of um, protection that we're able to offer those assets. Thank you. So just stay at the table, but you might just need to turn your microphone off. So what, what, what you're saying is that this, this, this measure strengthens our protection of buildings of interest. We could do other things, but that's not what we're discussing tonight. We're compiling a list of every point of historic interest in Uttlesford, which is broader than our current position. Councillor Dean. If, if I'm hearing that, one, we're extending the number of properties in the district who are covered, that are covered by um, Article 4 directives, uh, those who are scattered all over the place, then I'm delighted and that's fine. That's a step forward. Tick. <laughs> um, if we're saying that that then brings them into line with properties in existing conservation areas, then I give another tick. If we're then saying as a later stage of work, which can't be done at the moment for, because you've got to do things in order and sequence and we don't have uh, enough people to do everything in parallel, but that we will look at our existing conservation areas and see whether it makes sense to make a conservation area an area and that all properties within and features within it are, are covered, then I will at that later date, give another tick, but at this stage, give half a tick because we're going so, in the right direction. So, uh, my understanding, <laughs> and I look to Mr. Harper and Mrs. Hart, um, the first two of your points, two ticks, that's exactly what is happening. The third point, uh, I don't know whether you are planning that anyway, but it's, it's not in the paper, but it has been raised tonight. Uh, now, is that realistic that we study that? I don't want to give um, Councillor Dean the false impression. So, if either of you want to comment on that? Um, it is being discussed. Okay. It is a feasible um, process. Um, it is a large-scale body of work, which is why we're not trying to do it at the same time as the other large projects that we're working on. Um, so, we're trying to work through systematically, and that is something that we could look at if there's an appetite for that. Well, you're hearing an appetite from Councillor Dean yes. that uh, we can, if, we, if we didn't proceed then we'll certainly come back and say why we wouldn't but what you're hearing is it's being discussed and has a real possibility of um, being undertaken. Subject to further discussion. Subject to further discussions. Yeah and all I would ask therefore is that that prospect is put in the decision so that we've got on record that we will come back to looking yeah. at it. Mr. Thank Snow you. has got that point. Uh, I had uh, Councillor Howell, and was there one over there? Councillor Redfern, then back to Councillor Ranger. Yep. Thank you, Leader. Well, I, I think like Councillor Dean, I was somewhat confused when this came to Cabinet uh, last time, but I found Councillor Barker's explanation 
extremely helpful. Thank you very much. And I wanted to thank Mr. Hargreaves and Mrs. Hart for their explanations as well. Um, I'm very much in, in favour and support of the, the broad principles of what we're seeking to do here. As, as I've had it explained to me, as I understand it, we're looking to establish a greater level of protection, an extra layer of protection. Um, I'm very proud of the work that we've done as a council on our conservation areas over the last eight years that I've been coming to cabinet meetings. We've had a suite of documents on conservation areas that there's an enormous amount of work that's been done to identify the core of our communities and the, the buildings, the properties um, that have architectural and historic merit and should be protected in their own right. But within my own ward, I'm conscious that there are a number of properties that fall outside the conservation area and are also, for whatever reasons, not listed. And this, to my mind, is a way of helping us to identify those properties, to give them the protection they should, have, should receive. Um, so I think this is an excellent piece of work. I commend officers for proposing it. I understand that it's going to require a degree of resource and hard work, but I think that this is very important as a, as a council we should look to use the powers that we have to preserve and protect what is best about Uttlesford. And we are rightly very proud of the historic character of, of this district and we should be doing everything that we can as a council to preserve and protect those properties and, and other, area, and other um, buildings um, and the like which have historic and local importance. So I very much support this proposal. Thank you. Councillor Ripon. Um, I've got two questions. I only had one, but since Councillor Dean spoke, and I've now got a second one because I might have missed something. But first of all, um, I absolutely understand why we want to pick out um, properties that we want to protect. Um, but what I am confused with is if, if we feel they're of such high merit, why are they not listed? What, what, what is the point of an Article 4? Why would you not just put, why would we not list the local significance? Um, as part of the local heritage list survey, any buildings that we feel might meet that criteria of being nationally uh, significant and might meet those criteria, we are able to put forward listing applications and that has actually happened in one case where we have put forward a formal listing application. Um, but the, and that, that's part of the process, but at the moment it's, it's um, identifying buildings that are of, of local significance, but they wouldn't necessarily be of sufficient um, interest lo um, nationally, sorry, to be worthy of national designation. And secondly, yes, you're correct. The, um, what we are looking at, the possibility of, is having a blanket conservation area, Article 4, which would then um, give a consistent level of um, Article 4 protection across the conservation area to all, all properties. Yep. Okay. Um, understood on the uh, Article 4 on individual individual properties, but um, I would strongly suggest we give real consideration to a blanket Article 4. I can, can you imagine the additional work that that would bring to um, the planning department here? Because you have to, if, you, if you've got an Article 4, you have to apply to change your windows or anything externally and um, you know in our conservation areas we've got, they're not just um, properties that are worth protect, worth protecting there's brand new houses there's a massive I, I just I, well look at it but I would urge caution okay thank you councillor Ranger thank you chairman yeah I agree that the heritage list is required and I support that um, when this came to Cabinet before, I stood the intent or um, I'm missing something that um, will clarify for me. So the scenario I have is that um, I've got a building in a conservation area. It's not listed. It's not on the heritage list, but it's been accepted as being within the conservation area. So we now change the policy and under that new policy, this property wants to change. What protection do the listed buildings and the heritage buildings have under this new protection where there is no Article 4 direction? Not listed. So then you've got an ordinary house next door, and as Mr Harbour explained earlier, you can't do anything to that which is going to adversely affect the conservation area or the listed buildings adjacent to it. So we're not 
All this is doing is seeking to add another layer of protection to take them out. But we still don't want to put them, knock them down and build a, an office block which will affect the conservation area. So I think there is an enormous amount of protection and, and this is looking to add to that protection. And it's going to add to that protection for these odd buildings that haven't quite made it to the listed building books but are... I can't think of, I don't want to name individual houses because that's not fair on the individual, but I can think of plenty of things, places that, you know, are not listed, but actually they're a feature in the landscape and we don't want to be losing them. Right, so going back to this property that wants to change, as it's in the conservation area it stands at the moment, if it wants to change the windows they have to make an application, is that correct? For conservation area approval? Not unless it... Indeed, and thank you very much, Mrs Hart, for all your hard work. Very kind for coming this evening. Thanks. Good luck with the next um, <laughs> stage of the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, Good.